The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I was in your homeland last week. Ooh, yeah. what Malmesbury? Well, <laughs> no, your original uh, homeland of uh, of your father's. The land of God. Well, I was in... Uh, now, I, I can't ever get the complete pronunciation correct but it ends with Festiniog, which is where they have that gorgeous railway that goes right up into the mountains but well, also Festiniog. oh it's, it's beautiful and and also it is um a huge slate mining area isn't it mm-hmm. and so i went down into one of the 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 slate mines 500 feet down into it's called the deep mine experience or whatever i went down 500 feet and actually miners went down a lot further than that mm. um to find out what it was all about my God, I had no idea mining was like that. Yeah, you should, well, at some point in your in your life, you should go down Big Pit as well. What's Big Pit? Big Pit is well, the, obviously a pit um, big. the old coal mine, Where? and that's still open. Where's that? That's an experience. Where is that, then? I think that's at Blenavon. Right. That you go down in one of those metal cages, and it rattles and rolls, and, yeah. and they show you where all the little ponies slept, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't realise that a lot of the time the men worked in the dark. Yeah, because their eyes... Yeah, but their eyes got accustomed to having like one or two mm. candles in a in a in a cavern area, and mm. they didn't need anything else. No, and they, and they would... used to take canaries down. Oh, well, probably yeah. not in the slate mine, but in the coal mine they would take canaries down. Well, yeah, because it was a lot more unstable, wasn't it, with the gases? The gases, yeah, yeah. So if the canary died, they knew they were screwed. Right. Well, <laughs> it's not a way to find out, but to get slate, they would. Um, they would essentially uh, have to blow the slate out. I mean, that, which is a bit of an occupation of itself underground. So they're using explosives. And one guy's job all day long, he would for four hours with a with a metal, um, some some sort of sort of long shaft. He would he would drill this hole for four hours. Then he'd when it when it got to a certain point in the shaft, then he would ha- he would turn it round and drill again for another eight hours. That was his day. Mm. Suspended in the air by a chain, of all things, in the dark. And young'uns today complain... About what, Kev? About Probably about that they, they can't get enough bandwidth for Fortnite or something, don't they? The Fujicast. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. 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 Oh, the 4G's gone no, down. No, 4G's gone down. The, the, Dad! Uh, I know. The only um, disappointment I had is I, I did that mineshaft tour on our holiday on my own, and they all went off to the beach with their friends for the day. And I thought, actually, I should have dragged the kids down that mine, because never again could they ever say, can I have a new Xbox, Dad? And say, look what they used to do years ago. Yeah, they'd have loved that. Oh, God. No, I don't, yeah. I think they prefer the ice cream, but... Welcome to the Fujicast, you and your questions from our electronic mailbag and of course also through the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of. If you'd like to send a mail through, send to click at fujicast.co.uk. If you're not a Fujifilm shooter, don't worry, it's a big community and whatever flavour you shoot, you're very, very welcome. Uh, today we've got, uh, well, we're, it's another one of our kind of um, our best of the guests. Although really I, I feel a bit guilty saying best because everybody's best really, aren't they, Kev? Um, yeah. We've just drawn out a few of uh, our highlights and friends of the show. And this is the one where you went to go and meet uh, Robin Revillius. <laughs> what a day that was. It was. Do, what do, a take. <laughs> well, I haven't left that part on, but... Um, there was about, what was it, about a minute where you were trying to unwrap this cake that Robin had <laughs> brought through for you. I don't think you ever got in, did you? No, I don't think so, no. Oh, dear. So, Robin Revillius today. And uh, it's a bit of a strange um, show today because we are ahead of a big event. 
So we're recording on the Friday. It's going out on the Monday, but tomorrow. I don't mind. Usually we try and sort of cover this up a bit, but I don't mind today, Kev, because it's a big event tomorrow in your life. Well, yeah, it's the thing. What do you mean the thing? The thing. It's the thing that we're doing, the family celebration thing your wedding kev it's not just a thing kev yeah there's that there's an element of it so there's all sorts of stuff going on it's uh yeah it's it's a so Gemma is being the poor priest Gemma is being baptized first holy communion confirmation and we're having a catholic wedding and the priest said to me he said you know what kev i think this might be a world record for a priest in one service <laughs> <laughs> you get your money's worth, Mullins, don't you? How much is this oh, yeah. cost? Can we chuck in a few other things as well? Yeah, I was thinking uh, that. But you know, what can we do? Let's get let's get you know a few other things going on. <laughs> yeah, and then then the party, the big party, the big party. So, yeah, how many people are going? Can you say, or is, is it kind of is it like the Beckhams do? So that it's all really really private. <laughs> well, it is. our kind of close friends and family. I mean, we we did have around ninety people, yeah. but of course, you know, being being the middle of August, quite a lot of them are on holiday and yeah. various things like that. So, be somewhere between the four of us and ninety people. Oh right, uh, <laughs> somewhere in between that. Okay, probably probably around sixty, I would imagine. So, so absolutely no idea then. <laughs> Not really. It's very laid back. Uh, well, yeah. it's laid back for me. Less so for Gemma. I have you've, to say, you've bought half of Wiltshire's available alcohol, though. I mean, if, if mm. only four people are there, that's going to be one <laughs> hell of a wedding hangover, isn't it? Woof. Yeah. Oof. Ooh. Well, funnily enough, the first question um, is to do with your wedding. So uh, it's from Peter Robinson, Berry. Hi, Neil, Kev. Uh, this one is definitely a question for Kevin. By the time you get around to reading the question, you may have had your wedding many months ago. I, I don't think that Peter <laughs> believes we get to the questions very quickly. Not many of us phot uh, um, photographers get the opportunity to choose our wedding photographer all over again. Well, not getting married to the same partner at any rate. So how did you choose your wedding photographer? And perhaps you'll share who got the job. What was the defining decision? And did Gemma get a vote too? All the best to you both. Happy wedding bells from Peter. Well, yeah, that's a good question, actually. So what the way it manifested, so I had a, had a list of people that I wanted to come as guests. You, you, you and Sam and the kids being one. Yeah. Most of which couldn't make it, obviously, because you you were working, and yeah. so were the others, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Anna's come in, bless her, and she's but she would have been a guest also. So um, she is coming. She is going to take some pictures, but I've in, I'm insisting that she mostly enjoys herself because remember, you know, this is you know we're, we're I'm nearly fifty. It's my birthday last week. I'm nearly five hundred years old now. It's uh, you know. <laughs> I can only breathe in for so long. So it's it's certainly the most... I, I know that, you know, this might go in one ear and out the other for a, a very lot of people, which is absolutely fine. But the most important thing for me is the, you know, the religious element to it. So we'll have that captured and then, then hopefully Anna will. She's, uh, uh, you know, she's... We, I spoke to her. She's gonna. She's just gonna bring her X100, and yeah. she's gonna have fun and enjoy yeah. herself. Yeah. Most importantly, yeah. so yeah, that's that's how it manifested itself. Um, I did think about having, you know, getting a, a full-on photographer for the day, um, but uh, a most of them are not available. Were not available, which absolutely is fine. Makes sense. And then I thought, you know what? It probably it's not gonna be like that. You know what will happen is, of course, it's already happened in real time. So I'm just presuming what will have happened is. Is, you know we'll all go back we've got like a, a it's like a village hall basically it's it's yeah. you know it's, it's martin parr territory this yeah and uh you know we'll, we'll we'll kind of we'll we'll smash our way through the cake and alcohol and then i would imagine it'll be all back to our back garden for a, a jamboree in the evening yeah so uh 
it's it's all very very relaxed. But yes, and Gemma did indeed have a say in in all of it. Um, in fact, she's done all of it. I've done really <laughs> nothing. You know that bit in the wedding where people say. Uh, you, it's a groom, isn't it, that says, uh, oh, I love weddings because they seem to organise themselves as kind of a jibe within his speech. Is it true of yours? Yeah, yeah. kind of. Uh, bless her. I mean, <laughs> in fairness, you know, I, I, I've i kind of been busy working and stuff. So she she has <laughs> done the vast majority of stuff. Yeah. However, what I will have to say is that, you know, it kind of got to Wednesday morning, mm. the three days before, and we, we kind of woke up in the morning and went, I suppose we better organise all this stuff then. <laughs> <laughs> if you um obviously anna's going to do an amazing job for you but if anna was there purely as the guest now mm. tell us but the guest and you could choose and and so you you might you might be going down martin martin parr territory here but i'm, I'm going to say steer steer clear of martin only because otherwise it's going to be too obvious as an answer and what you said a moment ago if you could pick anybody kev to photograph your wedding still alive rather than a dead or alive question who in the photographic world right now would you say come across and and, and have a pop at Mullins Mullins Big Day Out? Uh, that's really tough because I, you know I would. There's loads of people I'd love uh, Louis Garvan to come over from Mexico. Yeah. I, you know I'd love Parker Fister from the States. Uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, if we're going really, really exotic, you know, like yeah, totally out of the realms of reality, somebody like Elliot Irwitt would be amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like the the more realistic types, wedding photographers, and mind you, Parker doesn't do weddings any longer. But yeah, somebody like Louis, that'd be amazing. But Louis Garvan will be setting up wonderful um, still life displays, wouldn't he? Stop the wedding! I'm doing a still life. <laughs> Bring me an orange. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he, he shoots weddings. He shoots amazing documentary know, weddings yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Or he certainly used to. Yes, he uh, did. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, that that, that all of those are kind of pipe dream stuff. But but no, I'm I'm, I'm really excited, and uh, you know, Anna will 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 take some pictures during the ceremony and then uh, hopefully she will then you know help herself to a couple of bottles of, of uh, fizzy wine well she need to if there's only the four of you plus anna it's going to be five of you to get through about a thousand quids worth of booze oh, i tell you what though it's been a very expensive experience this yeah. i have to say i, uh, I did not quite realize this but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of spondulies going out i mean i was in the pub last night with the boys and Gemma was over the hall so uh, you in the pub the, sorry in the lawn okay if you're supposed to be doing your your abstinence easy, oh, easy oh, that say. didn't work did it yeah not? Oh. i tried all right and then i just thought actually you know what i'm just a little bit round i'm just gonna <laughs> that's it you know <laughs> I, i've been practicing my breathing in and standing at a certain angle um oh, yeah i'm just gonna just gonna be a bit round that's t-shirt worthy i'm just a little bit round just a little bit just round. a little bit round right yeah. Your question. Right. First of all, before we do the questions, I'm going to read out our new set of patrons because oh, we have yeah. got we've got a handful of them. So oh, thank you so much, everybody who does support us on the Patreon, the Futurecast Patreon system. Uh, it's very kind of you. And uh, your reward will be uh, forthcoming in, in time at some point. But our reward is every month, which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Charles Thurmond, uh, Jeremiah Trulio. Yeah. Now, this is a toughie. Asgia Ma Olofsson. I think I did that. Good. Yeah, not bad. Asgia Ma Olafsson. Yeah. Reese Robinson, Charles Origa, Michael Gilman, and Adam Crook. Thank you so much, people, for helping us and supporting us. Thank you very much. 
right first question yes. from the facebook group and as always i will start with the most recent one which often when we do this the most recent one's like posted an hour ago but the last one so far was three days ago well, well it is summer kev and questions do are a little bit harder to fish for in the summer Mm, yeah, yeah fair enough okay you should do what they do on on phone-in shows where where uh, you know at certain times of the year you can see you can hear it rather even on even on the, the the big stations like lbc in this country anyway where you can tell that it's a quiet day and they say if you call now you're bound to get through you should do that <laughs> yeah. with the questions really if you send one now it's bound to be read yeah okay well anyway so paul Szilard, sure i never get this Szilard. Right. it's a Szilard. It's the s and the z together kev yeah it's the silent Szilard. letters that you love silent letters mm. what a waste uh okay so he here's a very good question actually why is virtually every feature film x camera have a different rear button layout uh this is driving me nuts when switching between bodies i would like fujifilm to standardize on where to put the cue button and play, delete, menu and back buttons, please. Right. There we go. I, don't know. I mean, every time you bring a model out, people look at it and think, it's the same with cars, isn't it? Well, we could just put that there. Maybe that's better there. I mean, you never leave things the same, do you? That's not how progress occurs. And if you leave everything the same, then you, you never get to find out if something actually works better in a different place. I quite like yeah. the idea that the, the cue button <laughs> was less easy to press. As uh, further incarnations happen, for example, that's mm -hmm. progress. Yeah, I think there's a there's a there's a bit of that going on, definitely. So they, you, you know, remember the the X series of cameras is still a very new series in in you know in real terms in terms of camera lifespans. So it is there is a certain case of you know trying to get it right. Um, however, yeah, I think the main thing is is you know marketing marketing. If your cameras all look the same. Then people yeah. will, you know, will not necessarily think, oh, well, that's new. Why do I need that? I don't need that one. Yeah, and and you know, things like some of the cameras, it makes sense to have uh, less buttons and different places and things like that because they're aimed at different people. Yeah. The vast majority of of Fujifilm cameras, I would imagine, go to single camera owner people. You know, so like certainly your XE camera range, your X100s, all of that kind of stuff. So there is there's a marketing element going on with that. But what I have to say is that they they, they do try and refine things so each one should be a little bit better than the previous one you know that's the whole point of it it's not just a case of changing things around because you know they want it to look different they do as a as an ambassador they you know we do often get questionnaires come through we had a few the other day in fact about configurations and all that kind of stuff so they you know they they definitely have to take that kind of stuff on board i kind of agree with the point i do to kind of agree with the point but i've never even when i shot canon and well that's the only other system i really shot you know, I had three different Canon bodies. They were all different. All the buttons were in different places and dials and things like that. And that was the EOS system, which had been around for decades and decades. So I just don't think that, you know, every camera will, will you know, every brand is not going to have a, a uniform system no. continuously. Uh, they might for a period of time. I've, but never thought, yeah. I've never thought they've dramatically shifted around, Kev. It, it's, um, what's the most dramatic? I can't think of a really dramatic change from one body to another where you thought, whoa, that's appeared on the back side of the camera instead of the front side. I yeah, there I hasn't been anything no, like that, but I there has think been of some, you know, like, delete buttons moved and various things like that which which causes issues sometimes the cue button has moved around all over the place but now of course with the modern cameras the mo well, i say the modern but the more recent set of cameras everything's customizable you can you can function button everything so it's it's less of an issue but yeah i mean i, I agree with paul in that it would be a lot easier if all the buttons were the same however 
what happens if those buttons are not not in the place that you want them to be you know and but they are in the place that other people want them to be there's yeah. there's all kinds of issues going on there here's a tricky one from morris webster morning gents a short email with a quick question and a slightly longer backstory for you both. Do you bother responding to the haters and trolls who feel the need to disparage your writing, your podcast, your videos, your photography, or just do you just smile and move on? With you both having significantly larger audiences than I do. Well, Kev, really. Uh, mine's still, still modest, really. I suspect you've experienced this at some point. By way of background, I recently decided to add a blog section to my website and wrote my first article outlining why I decided to purchase a particular camera. I think it might be worth sharing the... Oh, you did share the article uh, with us so we can have a look at it. We should probably share that on the website as well, shouldn't we, Kev, so you get an idea. I sent it to Petapixel, who subsequently added it to their site. Whilst the number of views massaged my ego, the comments section soon attracted a good deal of negativity, and I also received emails via my website along the same lines. What amused and bemused me in equal measure was the overriding feeling that many had decided to vent their vitriol from the title alone. Additionally, I confess to being entertained by the fact that those who clearly dislike the manufacturer, the, the article mentioned, rather uh, than not read it and move on, they took the time to read, partially, I suspect, the article, and then waste even more time drafting a, a comment or email, as my late Yorkshire grandfather used to say. There's now queer as fork. That was my best impression of a late yorkshire grandfather by the way what do you think kev he says his initial reaction was to push back also uh, as always thanks for the great entertainment delighted to hear that you're both back behind the camera at weddings well so are we yeah i mean you you've had more run-ins than i have because you you do have um far greater following on uh, i know you haven't done a lot a lot or anything really on there of late on youtube but <laughs> youtube can be one of the 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 most uh, disparaging places kind of, sort of full of disparaging comments at least yeah um yeah so i did look at the petapixel article yeah yes i mean the comment some of the comments were brutal uh, and unpleasant and definitely unwarranted yeah what I will say though is, if you send anything to Petapixel, you're going to get that. That's that's the Petapixel way. They seem to purposefully put put um, posts up that are going to you know stir the hornet's nest a little bit. Do you think so? Yeah, definitely Petapixel. It's it's right. a I, you know I like Petapixel. It's it's you know don't get me wrong, they share some great stuff, but yeah. it's uh, you know they, their business model is based on clicks and so the more stuff that they can get that you know gets eyes on pages they're gonna they're gonna do better from it so yeah just be careful with where you do kind of um send your stuff uh, in that regards uh, and if you do send it to places like that then then be prepared yeah go in with your you know with your hard hat on because uh, you will get those uh, those keyboard warriors my in the early days when i used to get stuff like that you used uh, to get yeah. quite yeah quite you were quite upset about it i remember i was initially yeah, yeah, yeah. but then but no i don't get no. you know don't give a damn any longer you know the thing is what i worked out a very long time ago is most of them are just jealous that's it you know the article that he shared was about uh his about, experience about Leica, with the monochrome Leica. Yeah, that's right yeah and you know most of those people are probably without even looking at the pictures or reading the article just thinking oh, i wish i could afford one of them i can't afford one. you know it's good thinking about your your sleep mine blokey you know eight hours in a sleep mine yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know and, and these days people take to the keyboard and just because they can't you know afford something they just decide to attack people who can afford things not everybody of course i looked through all the comments and there were some some of the comments were were nice and, and supportive yeah. and sensible you, you tend know, to only concentrate on the ones that are, are not so nice that's sort of human nature isn't it you think oh you've got a hundred that are good and one that's bad and it'll be the one that that's bad that accompanies you to bed that night yeah of course it is you know you are if you do read them you're you're going to be you know it's going to leave you in a in a pretty poor place sometimes 
Um, I remember when I, I, I took that picture at the Tokyo Tower and it won the landscape photography, yeah, yeah, bizarrely. Yeah. And it was yeah. picked up by the Daily Mail and they stuck it on their, they printed it and they stuck it on their website. And, uh, and the comments on there were absolutely dreadful, like really, really, really Horrible. dreadful. Horrible. And that was, I mean, that was, God, that must have been eight or nine years no, ago. Now. That was nearer the start of your career, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So at that stage, it was, it was not very welcome. It was great, great it publicity in that in that article, but it, I stopped yeah. reading the comments. Did you? Like, you know, yeah. that's what I did, and I still don't. I still, that that article still gets sent to me every now and again. It's still up there somewhere, and I just, yeah. I just don't read the comments. And yeah, you know, I, I occasionally on YouTube when people say it, it doesn't seem to happen so often these days. I think YouTube have managed to put something in place that seems to filter out the most derogatory stuff, or perhaps people who who over the last few years have been reporting serial haters if you like yeah. and so their their accounts are getting uh, you know disbanded or something i don't well, know you, but, yeah, but, but it, you, it happens less usually if you follow them back the the account that they come from has no videos posted oh yeah it's, it, all it, anonymous. It, it's really there because they just want to say horrible things to people so i don't take those absolutely. people very seriously at all oh absolutely yeah. I, I i just i went through a period of just replying to people but sensibly you know and just saying oh well you know i take your point and uh you know show me some of your pictures and and you know and we can we can have a conversation but of course there's no pictures there was one guy who uh he had to go at my my teeth <laughs> oh yeah and, uh, what's that got to do with photography oh uh, yeah you yeah, should see them now was, kev uh, they are sparkly look at you you're the you're the dentist's dream <laughs> it was brilliant because Gemma replied or Gemma, Gemma sent me the reply and uh it was it was a youtube comment right. and uh and it was something like, I don't know why Fujifilm have an ambassador like you. Look at your teeth, you ugly, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and Gemma said, uh, well, uh, yeah, his teeth may not be perfect, but he's in he's in Tokyo doing a presentation for Fujifilm and helping them design cameras. And you, my friend, are just a cunt. <laughs> she said that? <laughs> You're Gemma? Oh, dear. So yeah. yeah, just take it with a pinch of salt. But but just be prepared. The more you start pushing content out, the more you will get of that. That's all you know. Be prepared for it. I tell you what. Or you could. Um, I think. I think perhaps Gemma's got a thriving business in this. She could be the. Uh, you know, if you've got something, you've got somebody you need to answer to. Hi, Gemma. She'll send back a short, succinct, to the point message. <laughs> um, all sorted but I mean on, on the flip side of what Morris has experienced and that's dreadful I'm sorry you've experienced it Morris but mm. but on, on the flip side of that people do use clickbait and, and titling and you, you can see the you can see those that are trying to build their their, their accounts on whatever platform really by, by making grand statements I gave up this that's useless that's rubbish why I don't believe that works they use it and of course then they wear their you know then, then they get behind a big wall wait for the return of fire and they and they they don't care they don't care because they've made their point they've gone in made their film dumped it down they they know that it's it's going to challenge most people and, and and then they watch the numbers rise yeah of course and and you know they've all done it and and i hate it i absolutely hate it and generally that's and when I see titles like that, that's I just hit the unsubscribe button. I have to say, it's the ones that are like they just titled it. I made a mistake. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, I made what? What? What the hell does that mean? I made a mistake. So you know, you then have to watch it. I don't watch it. I just unsubscribe straight away. But you, you know, people watch it, and then you know, the, the mistake is totally irrelevant. Or um, you know, 
why why I no longer use Fujifilm cameras yeah. or something like that. And then you know it's like, uh, well, actually, uh, you know, I'm I'm using Sony now. And then the whole thing's about why he's using Sony rather than why he's not using Fujifilm. And it's like, who cares? It's fine. You know, I get it. I, they, they're making money out of it, and that's yeah. fine. Everything's a, a, a fair business model. But yeah, I, I hate I hate all. There's that no stuff. code, Kev. There's no code. There was. I tell you what. And the, the one thing I did learn about. Um, Underneath the ground, five hundred feet, with uh, one roll, one roll of Delta thirty two hundred. By the way, which nice. uh, I'm, I'm yet to see what worked out of that. I didn't like. I, I was on, on the Todd in, in the group. There were ten of us, and because I was interested to get some pictures of the shafts and the mines and some of the shadows and the weird things going on, I held back a bit. So I, I did find myself in some of the sort of shafts, not completely on my own because that would be ridiculous. Um, but but sort of fur, further back than most people, and it would have been—I tell you what—would have been frightening being down there on your own. As some of them had to be at the end of the night just to tap the side of the rock to get the the rocks down so that they didn't squash the people the next day. But in the uh, sorry, I've gone off off kilter a bit there. But uh, it was all about code in the mines. If you if you chopped a if you if you took a bit of slate um, from from your from your individual area, then you sent it up on the you you marked it with your your family name, sent it up on the on the trolley, got taken out, and if anybody if anybody touched it or if anybody took it for their own, Kev, they'd be out straight away. There was no thieving at all. Everybody in the mines, absolutely for each other, supported each other. Yeah, absolutely, quite right the way it should be. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that. I'm sorry, I've gone off. I've I've gone off on a tangent there. But well, it's the code of conduct, isn't code, it? On the, code, on the internet. Code, yes. Code right. Sorry, before we get too lost down that that particular mine shaft. Um, yours, <laughs> Ke- your, yours, Kev. Was it yours or mine? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yours, mine. yeah, yours. Okay, so this is from Kirk Vogel. Yeah. Uh, he says this might just be a question for the over fifties. So I I can't answer this. Of course, <laughs> you'll have to answer this one, Neil. You cheeky old. <laughs> Uh, how common are uh, photographers' back problems? I never had any problems at all until my late 40s and can only put it down to carrying heavy bags with too much equipment for far too long. A misstep carrying too much was the start of it all. Herniated disc. Ooh. And wondered how many others may be in the same boat. Not nice at all. Or mine. Well, I've been reasonably lucky, and I'm touching wood as I say this. Because it only takes one sort of stupid movement, doesn't it? You've you've suffered a bit. You've suffered quite a lot with your well, more more than me, Kevin. You're you're <laughs> a good know. deal younger than me, Kev. Well, yeah, I, I, I realised that as I was reading it that, that yeah. this was going to backfire. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have had uh, some back problems, but yeah. but definitely not to do with with cameras. More more to do with stupidity on judo mats and trying to run too far on treadmills and things. So I tend to get like a trap nerve in my leg, which goes up in my back a bit. But yeah, so. Stretching, stretching, stretching exercises, Kevin. Yeah, that's right. I don't bother with them. That's no? the problem. Oh, okay. Boy, you're, you're not going to lose weight by stretching, are you? What's the but point? Not- like silent letters, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it means that you can move, Kev. Which you then may be able to uh, to, to use to uh, successively lose weight. I know my PT instructor is forever telling me that, yeah. and I'm like, Nah, come it's on, let's, get, let's do another five k. He's like, No, no, we need to do some stretching. Oh. No, I'm not paying you to stretch me. I'm paying you to make me lose weight. <laughs> well, I yeah. Um, and then I get back. I can't say that. I mean, I do. I do stretch quite a lot, mm. and I always stretch if if I can find a place where I can do it. Where I'm not going to look weird to the wedding guests. My <laughs> God, what is that guy doing? Do some stretches during the meal time because that's I when you, I usually feel really tired in my body. The best stretch when my when the whippet stretches, it yeah. looks amazing, oh, and yeah. I just can just yeah. feel every sinew in her body. Yeah 
getting stretched and it's amazing honestly she elongates about five times I know, her body seen length. It, uh, yeah, it's amazing don't you it's well you should insane. try and do that kev why don't you i do could that? try and do that yeah, yeah. and then then I'm, yeah i'll just collapse in a heap on the floor next to her <laughs> if i try and stretch like breezy stretches well it usually happens when breezy starts stretching is is monty yeah. the stinker he realizes that she's in mid stretch and so she can't she's stuck basically so he takes that that opportunity to go and sniff a berm and lick her lips and all that kind of stuff he has a good old go around her oh kev (laughs) sorry i'm not stretching in my living room in case monty comes and starts licking my face yeah Um, but yeah so that but you're right i mean it's a really good question because i do know lots of people i say lots but some people who have purposely moved away from heavier cameras to you know not necessarily just fujifilm you know small just based generally smaller cameras because of the uh you know the strain on their back i, I mean I, I have to say that i always whenever i as soon as i started shooting uh, weddings i never really had an issue with carrying i never carried my bag for example no like never i i just Put i mean these days i i don't even take the bag into the into the you know into the wedding venue it stays in the car generally i just take the two cameras i need yeah. but i you know i'm never lugging i don't you know i put my my bag under a table or i put it in the you know you know in the in the in the kitchen or whatever somewhere yeah. safe and I, i'm never moving it and never carrying it around anywhere and i don't you know you've seen the stuff i don't take much to weddings these no. days i'm just not lugging stuff if you if you do lug heavier cameras because not everybody uses light cameras and of course you can but heavy lens and a light camera yeah um absolutely. the the advice that uh, i was always given was uh, never wear a heavy camera on your hip uh, that has to be the lightest thing you can possibly put should be on. So we both use Spider, don't we? Yeah. Uh, as a system. So the lightest camera goes on your hip. If you are carrying something with uh, a longer length, uh, something like a 50 to 140, I think would be the perfect example here. That goes slung over your shoulder with a simple strap that goes over your shoulder. Now, this is the advice I got from uh, an editorial photographer who who had been having back problems. I'm trying to remember... His name, and I can't, but he, he gave some strong advice from a physio who was talking about the way that you, that you shoulder weight. And he, ha- he said one of, the, one of the most difficult straps, I'm being very careful here, one of the most difficult straps he'd come across is where people have that crossover leather strap. It doesn't have yep. to be leather, where you are essentially carrying a weight on each hip, each side, which, which is slung. But the way that it's slung, in particular the ones where you screw in just one nut into the bottom of the camera, means that you walk in a slightly uh, odd fashion because you're stopping the camera swinging, which is really not very good for your core because you're not moving with any freedom. Yeah, that makes sense. But you look cool. You do look cool. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. What, what price cool, hey, Kev? Indeed. What price Indeed. Cool? Right. Um, talking of cool, the coolest thing I ever heard, although oddly we're not playing it back in this particular interview, was when Kev went to meet um, the late James Revillius's uh, wife, Robin, who brought out a cake. And you and we had about, I don't know, it must have been almost a minute of you unwrapping this cake. Well, she'd left the room and I left the recorders on. <laughs> I mean, no. she, she, it was, she'd made the cake, oh, but it was, it was well and truly wrapped up. I mean, no. It was such a lovely day. Ah. Well, you had an opportunity to talk with uh, with Robin Revillius about a photographer that I know you admire very, very much. Well, his dad was a watercolourist and wood engraver. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some, those little ones over there, for instance. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, and he was also a war artist, official war artist. Mm-hmm. And he died in Iceland on active service. His plane was shot down. Nobody knows what happened. 
So James was three when that happened. Um, then his mother got cancer when he was about ten and died when he was eleven. Mm. He so he was sort of in the wilderness really for quite a long time, and because he was good at maths, he was um, it was suggested he should train as a chartered accountant, which was probably the most unsuitable job <laughs> possible. <laughs> and he absolutely hated that. And then suddenly he just threw it all over and went to St Martin's mm-hmm. School of Art to do art. But he he was sort of trying different styles and not happy with it. He always felt that his father's work was overshadowing him. You know, mm-hmm. Anything he did, he, he would think, oh, that's too like Eric. Uh, so, you know, he hadn't found his place, really. And then in 1969, that was really a seminal year for him, um, he saw the first Cartier-Bresson exhibition, V&A, big retrospective, and that hugely impressed him. Mm-hmm. He, he'd not seen photography as an art before, I think, mm-hmm. only as a, you know, a tool. Had he been photographing at that time, or was he still... No, not well. I mean, he, he'd taken snaps on holiday, mm-hmm. but that was all. He had a camera, but, but, you know, he hadn't thought of it at all in terms of composition and, and um, well, as an art, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was hugely excited by that and, and got a camera, a better camera. And then we met that same year, a couple of months later, and then he got cancer for the first time. So, you know, his life was also turned upside down. And by the time he'd recovered, we were going to be kicked out of our London flat because it was being redeveloped. Now, I come from this part of the world. Oh, OK, so that's... My family come, lived in the village Dalton, where we used to live, uh, actually for 300 years. Wow. So it was my childhood home and the, still the place I love most in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I brought him here, and my grandfather had given me a, a little cottage, tiny, tiny little cottage. And when we were kicked out of London and couldn't afford anywhere else, James said, well, let's go live there. So we did. And when was this? This was, well, we came in 72. Okay. But um, he had no job. Mm-hmm. He hoped to find teaching, mm-hmm. art teaching. And he went to the next door... Um, Arts Centre, the Beeford Centre, which had been started up by Dartington Trust, you know, and uh, hoping that they would give him some art teaching. But instead, the founder, John Lane, offered him some photography work. John had had this idea of the Beeford Archive mm-hmm. as a means of recording this particular world, really which was then even more old-fashioned than it is mm. now. Um, and John really sort of appreciated how much it was sort of enshrining British country traditions, really. Yeah. Uh, but obviously it was going to change rapidly very soon, so he wanted it recorded. And he'd had a photographer doing it, actually Roger Deakin, you know, the mm-hmm. cinematographer. He'd done a bit for a couple of years, but he'd just gone. And so John offered it to James. Um, James had absolutely no training for photography at all. John didn't seem to think that mattered. And so off he went. Um, and he did it for 17 years. Madly, obsessively. Yeah, um, and beautifully. Dawn till dusk. Well, um, as a kind of side, the um, you mentioned he um, went to the Bresson exhibition and that was kind of his galvanising moment. Mm. Well, um, for me, it was um, seeing the film about James on... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was BBC Four or something yes. like that. He had such an affection for the area and the people within it. Mm. Um, 
yet, which I didn't know, but you're the person who was from this area. Yes. So how did the locals, how did the farming community, how did they react to him initially and ongoing? Well, you see, I was able to give him a sort of entree because he started with the people that I'd known from childhood. Mm -hmm. So they sort of welcomed him as part of the family in a way. Uh, so it's spread out from that, I would say. But it, it was also James as a person. He was just incredibly good at chatting people up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd, he'd accost a farmer doing something in a field, and, and an hour later they'd be friends. Great. That's just how he was. <laughs> and he would he would literally get up in the morning, first light, and off he would go, and just come back at, at dusk. Yeah. With rolls of films. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that that was one of his ways. He he would look out for things. You know, he'd, we'd read the local papers if mm-hmm. if there was a, a fair or a mm-hmm. sports day or something. He'd follow it up. And as he began to do the work, people got to know he was doing it and, and would you know ring him up and say, um, "We're about to start lambing or or yeah. we're making cider with an old press and that kind of thing." Yeah. But mostly, he just set out and. Hope to find something. I asked somebody a couple of weeks ago to um, a few photographers. I said to them, "Right, I'm going to see um, Robin. Give me one word that describes James." Now, these people all know James' work, but I've never obviously met him. And one word that came up quite often was "quiet." I think from the way that he tells his stories, his stories are beautifully quiet. They yes. don't need any narrative because all of the narrative is in the, the picture. Um, yes, it's quite a good word. And I wonder if that... It, was he like that in real life? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, he was, a, he was a talker. I, I, I don't mean that he was sort of loud and rebellious, but he was, a, he was definitely a talker. He talked all the time, but he talked to anybody he met. Yeah. And he certainly talked to his subjects while he was taken. Uh, and that's why those pictures are so relaxed, because... Yeah. Um, he was chatting away, taking so, an interest, and, and they didn't actually know when he was taking the picture, I don't think. Yeah. Because, you know, the like is very, very quiet. Mm. Did they, uh, you know, request to see the prints, and did they come and have a look at them, and did he give prints to people? He sometimes gave prints to people. Uh, he couldn't really give it to everybody. No, of course. Uh, but he'd go back and show them what he'd taken, mm. um, and he always invited them to exhibitions. Mm. When we had book launches, we invited the people in the books, and they came. You mentioned that some of these, uh, the characters, some of the subjects are still around. Do you see them? Do you chat to them? Do you I want do, to visit yes, them? Yes, um, from time to time. Suddenly, I keep up with several of them. So you mentioned um, his cameras were Leicas? Yes. Well, Always? to begin with, uh, the, the, the archive was done on a Leica, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he went into plate cameras later on as well, okay. but not for the archive. No. Okay. I can show you the Leica if you want to see. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. It's worth seeing because it's very um, idiosyncratic. This is an M3. Mm. He started out with what were then modern modern lenses. Wonderful. And then these are the, the strange modifications he did. Um, uh, yes, I read about this. So he was he was modifying the lights, the shades themselves, and... So as to be able to do mm. contrashore work. Uh, unfortunately, they've got wrinkled with age, so mm-hmm. they look ridiculous, but of course they were quite sharp. So these are the, the old lenses, pre-war, uh, that he came back to. To begin with, he was using modern lenses and mm-hmm. some actors and things, and they were coated and, and much too harsh a contrast, he felt. 
And so after a lot of research, he found pre-war ones that weren't. So that's El Elmars and Hectors. But the other thing that he is um, auxiliary viewfinder. Are you familiar with the view? No. Strange little gizmo. Ah, okay, so he would put that on and the top. And that slots on. Yeah. And it, it gives you... Mm -hmm. Well, for one thing, it, it's a much clearer image, I gather, because it doesn't have all the lines and things on it. Yeah. But, but it also gives you... Uh, people say it's like a, an artist standing back from his easel. It gives you an idea of the picture more mm. as a whole. Yeah. yeah um, which obviously helped him with his composition. Mm. Absolutely. It's an amazing thing that he did. Of course, there's, you know, there has to be economical rewards as well, but in, just in terms of, you know, the posterity of the of the area, I think it's amazing. I mean, pictures I like think, that. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. It's, it's the depth of coverage, I think, that makes it quite unique. Um, because obviously there have been other documentary projects in rural areas, but not 17-year-old, 17-year-long run. Yeah. And also he did this other thing of copying old photos. I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah. When he was out and about, he discovered that, that people had these boxes of old photos, you know, from the 1900s. Oh, okay. At the same places. Wow. And the same people in some cases. And um, he added that as a second string. He borrowed them and copied them. Didn't okay. keep them, he just copied them. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, so the comparisons are absolutely fascinating. When you look at the, the clothes and everything that they were in, you, you get some real idea of the of the life they live, hard working lives. Yeah. And, and very physical. I mean, you know, no no forklift trucks. Yeah. If you had to, and no Burberries to keep their own out. <laughs> no, old, old leather boots, lace up leather boots. He's got some kind of Hessian sack wrapped yeah, around well, him. Yeah, well, that was what people wore. Yeah. It was actually quite effective to keep the rain off. From a very personal point of view, I would love so many more people to see this type of work, and I know that lots of people do see it in the in the modern photography world. People tend not to see past Photoshop and you know computers and technology. Yes. Um, and whilst it's a million miles away, uh, you know one of the things I do with my photography is that it's all unposed it's real they're real moments and that's that's the end of it that's what I, I enjoy shooting um, and it seems sadly that more and more people are you know relying on technology and posing and computer filters etc and I, I you know I just I really 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 love this work and really want more well, people it's to whole see. thing about honesty isn't it you see that's really why I think he wouldn't have liked digital because a digital image can be adopted in any way you please absolutely and other bits of another picture imported um, and, and it would have been absolutely against his principles <laughs> yeah but it's about integrity isn't it I mean that's yes, the integrity in these pictures is, is just you know integrity and humanity hmm yeah and those are the two words I would use to describe absolutely more than quiet I mean I think quiet is right but, but I think those two words are something about print uh, thanks to, to Robin Revillius. And of course, uh, over the summer months, or the summer months, months? It's, we don't really have summer months these days, do we, Kevin? Shocking summer. Summer day. The summer the, day. The summer was a week last Tuesday. Oh, God. Um, we, we've been playing back some of our, um, some of our, well, I was going to say faves again, but some of those moments that we've, uh, we've really enjoyed. And certainly when you went to meet Robin, that was one of them, wasn't it? 
Hey? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Beautiful woman. Yes. And and actually, I, I don't think a lot of people realise just how much time she spent with James going to everything, didn't she? She was a yeah. real support structure for, for mm-hmm. him, his artistry. And, and of course, when he had his, uh, his illnesses as well. Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, wonderful. Oh, but we didn't mention right at the start, Book of the Week. It's not so much a book this week, though, is it? We'll come to it shortly, but uh, it's a kind of a, a zine of the week. Although you well, don't like the word zine, usually. Oh, you? I hate the word zine. Yeah. No, I would actually. I, 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 I'm going back on that. I would call this a book. It's not a zine. It's you know, it's got a, a spine. That's that's how I define a book. Right. Yeah. So this week we've got we've been sent a, a, a lovely book from um, the United States of America. Chris Ferreria. Ferreira. Chris Ferreria. Roche, Roche, the ambassador's um, treat. I don't know. F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A. How would you say that? Ferreira. Ferreira. Okay, Chris Ferreira. Howdy, Neil and Kevin. <laughs> My homing pigeon must have successfully delivered this envelope if you are reading this. Yes. And it did. Yeah. Came straight to my door. Yeah. Uh, isolating at home in the age of COVID has made me go through my archive on old journals. Right. I stumbled upon this journey I took a few years back when I travelled 1,000 kilometres through the Philippines countryside with just a humble point and shoot and my notebook. I scanned my journal with sketches and personal chronicles combined images from the trip and thought it made an interesting project i would love to hear what your thoughts on this zine he did call it a zine so he called it a zine okay yeah, but I'm, right. I'm i'm gonna scratch i'm gonna scrub that out i'm gonna, gonna say it's book, a book because it's got a All spine right. is there a place in the photo world for documentary work that combines paper notes or does this belong in the world of fine art many thanks to you both keep up the great work and stay safe well well we'll come to um chris ferreira's work um shortly then for the book of the week Right, couple of questions before then. Kev, do you want to go first, or, or is it my turn? Can't remember. Where were uh, we? It's your turn. What, I what, did the what, bad back. What the dear listener doesn't know is that in in the meantime we had a power cut your end, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. I think the <laughs> the hairdressers <laughs> the hairdressers plugged everything in next door, and then yeah. It went, yeah, everything went off. It was a, it was like a, like a meltdown. What should we have? Okay, Pear Hasling. Uh, hi Neil, Kevin. Having spent a lifetime in teaching, coming up to retirement, and nearly as long as a, an amateur photographer. I want to take my skills back into the community, possibly night school, to talk about photography, not just as an art form or pastime, but as something that's creatively energising. I suppose it might be mentally energising there as well. Uh, One thought is to take students out on field trips to experience being in the wild, possibly the streets, with a camera. Any advice from you? Sincerely, Peter. Wow. You take a, you take people around the streets of Bath and all sorts of places on the on the street photography course. I saw recently. I saw um, a field trip. Uh, I was on one of my photo walks for the Photography Daily Show, and uh, I saw uh, this must be going back a couple of months now. But I saw a whole team of people out behind a school teacher, sort of making pictures of anything that moved, and that that was that was really good to see because everybody seemed. I'm going to use his word now. Really energised and really into it um it was fantastic and they they were using everything from smartphones a couple of people had mirrorless did see a fuji x100 i don't know what what particular flavor of x100 it was but it was that was good to see that was the posh kid yeah that was the one yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, tarquin tarquin's got the x100 so what would um what would you suggest i mean you keep your numbers low Uh, i was gonna say short but then i mean low because it's difficult i mean I did think that this teacher, I mean, he must have had 15. That's a very difficult number to really concentrate on if people have questions and want advice. 
yeah, I mean, it's different for schools, isn't it? Yeah. Because they have to take all the kids. Of but course, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't have, I, I, I never have more than six on my street photography workshops. I just don't think any more than that is 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 workable, and people don't get get enough out of it. So I did, I did once do a term at this at my kids' school, a term of photography for the the kids that were interested, of which there was about fifteen actually. And uh, you know, I started that process by basically asking them all to write down on a piece of paper um, five things, because it had to be in the school grounds, five things in the school that they liked the best. Ah. Um, physical things, mm. didn't you know, not like geography or something. And that that, that's, that formed the nucleus of what, what we would would photograph. So some of them, you know, said like the computers, some of them were like the canteen, um, some of them were like uh, Mrs. Stevenson. <laughs> I was like, no, we can't really go and just <laughs> photograph Mrs. Stevenson, that's just weird. <laughs> um, you know things like that, playground, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So we yeah. we based our our plans around things that excited them, and then that's that's a little bit like uh, you know I think that's a good starting point because then it, they're already interested in the subject, and then you're you're trying to you know I was trying to encourage them to you know explain why they enjoyed this particular thing, but through pictures, which was which was quite challenging to them, but but interesting to see what they did. How engaged were they, Kev? Yeah, they were they were good. They enjoyed yeah. it. They did. You know, yeah. they they signed up for it remember this ah. isn't this was like a after school club type thing right. so yeah yeah they they weren't forced into it they, they you know these kids had, it was either that or chess club you know of which i was doing chess club as well so i was a bit <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah they, they yeah they enjoyed it and so that's that's what i would do start with something like that you know i think for for adults and everything and, and like if it's a workshop it's different because a workshop is more about Education, right? It should be about education, shouldn't yeah. you know? Like yeah. street photography, street photography workshops where it's a you know a glorified tour of London is uh, or whatever is is you know something different. That should just be called a, a, a photography walk, which is fine to charge for, but it's you know it's a different thing. Workshop should be about education, and uh, you know start start with with that in mind. Start thinking, okay, if it's a uh, if it's just to get people interested in photography, you can't say to them, right, take a picture of light and shade or whatever start with what are you interested in now what yeah. what excites you even yeah. where you're stood yeah. when you look around on the spot you're stood what captures your eye what would you stare at if you fell into a daydream right now and start with that well, that m process m mrs stevenson probably mrs stevenson yeah <laughs> yeah I, i've been looking as you well know at organizing a um a retreat at the moment a photographic retreat now whilst i was down in the mines photographing on the 30 the delta 3200 thinking where's the light it did occur to me one uh one really in, and one of the things i loved about the night school course that i went on and i didn't think uh, in those initial days this was going to be well i knew it was going to be important because of the time i was doing photography but it's printing and i did think if i could get a mobile dark room set up or something to actually take some film cameras out and do some printing from stuff that we've made because i think it is about experience isn't it yeah and printing is important i'm doing i'm doing a set of workshops for fujifilm in in the autumn yeah where we will we'll go out with uh, it's GFX workshop, so we'll go out on the streets and we will be sending the pictures via Wi-Fi back to the Ooh. House of Photography, and nice. they will print them ready for us on our return. Nice. Um, so yeah, that that kind of tangible yeah. thing is yeah. it's hard to get excited about digital photography 
if I think if you don't have the means to experience the results properly. So and by that, I mean, uh, you, you know, you either you need to, you need to have a monitor or a tablet or something. If you're just looking at the pictures on the back of the camera where most so of them stay, then then it's it's not as excitable. So and of course, the, the you know, the, the utopia is, is printing. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, one more question, then we'll go for Book of the Week. From Facebook, Kev, all over to you. So this is from Alexander Torset Ericsson, uh, and he did actually post this twice. So he posted it in the questions thread, which is fine, and he also posted it separately, and there was there's quite a few comments. So I thought it was an interesting one. And he said, uh, I wonder when camera manufacturers, in brackets, Fujifilm and Sony, uh, in his case, are going to catch up with apps and cell phone manufacturers when it comes to smarter camera functions. I also wish my camera had built-in frame averaging with option to save JPEG plus RAW and HDR, panorama as raw, etc. I think camera manufacturers need to learn from app and cell phone makers and start implementing smarter functions in the future to not lose more market share like they have been doing for the last four or five years. We're, yeah, we, we've talked about this quite a lot, haven't we? The uh, the sort of the coming to the mel- the melding, the coming together of the two. We, well, uh, it's interesting because Andreas, um, who of course will be on the show yeah, in a few weeks, yes. um, replied to that comment, and and he, and he was it was a, a, quite an interesting reply. And it was basically cameras will always be cameras. If you think about a phone. The thing you don't think about when you buy a phone is how good a phone it is, right? You don't. Like, the phone part of it is is generic. What you're thinking about now is, you know, how fast is the internet on there? How big is the screen so I can watch Netflix? You know, how uh, what the camera is like in the, in the phone, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And so the phone manufacturers know that, and that's why they have spent billions and billions and mm. billions on squeezing as much stuff into their phones as possible. But... They're still phones, you know, but you're not using it as a phone as such anymore. It's it's more than that. It's a smart device. Um, and so Andreas's point was, you know, Apple have got more cash in the bank than a vast majority of third world countries. They could wipe out the debt of a lot of third world countries just by their cash in the bank. And so they they have that money. They have that. And the cam- probably Sony, he was saying, have got more opportunity in that respect because obviously Sony make phones. Um, so there could be a little bit of cross... Uh, cross-processing going on there but Fujifilm certainly not you know they don't they just do do not have that experience they don't have that R&D they do not have that kind of money in that in that area so you know they concentrate they, they will concentrate on the photographic experience yeah. rather than yeah. squeezing stuff into the system that very few people will use I mean of course nobody's going to complain if, if somebody released a camera that was that, that did everything that a mobile phone did. But then actually, I think it was Panasonic, um, or might have been Olympus, who did one. They produced, it was basically a, a mobile phone with a camera on the back, um, had an Android system. You could have Lightroom on there and all sorts stuck on the back of the camera. Nobody bought it. Mm. just like it's seen as a gimmick. So, yeah, I mean, phones are phones, cameras are cameras. I wonder where, apples, are, apples, pairs of pairs. Would you use your X100 as a phone if the, the opportunity was there? Leave your phone behind? No. Well, no, 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 Kev, because it'd have some sort of control where you, you speak uh, to a little microphone on your, um, no, on, no. On, on your T-shirt or something. Or, or you right. can do what Sam started doing, which is talking to her watch. That does look strange. <laughs> that does, yeah. My my watch does that. My, my I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And and it sometimes it takes me by surprise, and I'm like, where's it coming? Where's that voice? Coming? Where's that noise coming from? And it's coming from my wrist. Um, but yeah, I don't do that either. No, no I, I, you know, I think I don't know. It's we're at that stage in in 
uh, you know, technological evolution, aren't we? Where, you know, like I said, phones are no longer phones. They, I mean, they do phone, but they're no longer phones. And they're getting bigger and they're doing more things. But for me, you know what? I've still got my Huawei, Huawei P10 or P20, whatever it is. I've had it like three or four years now. And it's fine, but I, I've got no inclination to get the latest one because it's bigger and, you know. Uh, well, I've even got a Huawei watch now. It's yeah. great. Brilliant. I mean, honestly... They make good tech. What I have on my for my um, uh, wedding clients on wedding day is I take a little burner phone. You know, it's just got a, like a, a, chi- a SIM in it. You've got burner phones, Kev. Does does a burner, uh, yeah. does Gemma know about this? Gemma, he's got, got a burner phone. Did you know about? It? I know. I'm surprised too. <laughs> so I give them that number, and it's just an old Nokia right. thing. You know, you can buy them in W H Smith for like nine quid. Uh, it doesn't do anything. You can play Worms on it or whatever that game was called. Uh, you can send text messages, but that's basically it. You can't watch videos or anything on it. And that's a phone. <laughs> you know, that is a phone. Um, the Huawei Huawei thing is uh, is uh, an all singing, all dancing smart device. And I, I, you know, I use it. I need it. Of course, I do my banking they're, on there, all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, they're, um, well, there's. There's, but I pick up a camera to take pictures. There's talk, isn't there, about the camera, the the smartphones that have the... Um, I don't know how they do this. It's very clever. The, the lenses that shift, I, mean, I suppose, a bit like a, t- a tilt shift in some respects. So you can have your camera at an angle and be taking a photograph fully forward, which is really... I mean, that sounds like the spice perfect camera, doesn't, doesn't it, really? Mm. Because at the moment you have to lift it. You know, you know when a picture's generally being taken don't you mm. but now yeah. you can have it 45 degrees like you're reading you know or you're playing your chess games like you like mullins but at the same time you're just taking a picture forward of mrs stevenson then that that's that's tech isn't it yeah it's the chinese type of tech that isn't it <laughs> well no, i don't think we should probably chinese go and russians <laughs> and those funny folk on the isle of Wight. you've got to watch out <laughs> for them right before we get ourselves in trouble it's not well it's it's a book of the week we were gonna almost went down the zine of the week but it's a book of the week isn't it yeah so uh chris uh ferreira <laughs> has sent it uh sent it in now actually thinking about it i said he'd come from america mm. right however i might have got that completely wrong because his website yeah. is the dot dk domain which is denmark, denmark. yeah i really yeah. love your research that you put into this stuff. i know <laughs> i only just noticed that uh however so we will link to this of course on the show notes yes. um but if, for those of you who can't see that the, the website to get more information on this uh this this, this story is frrr dot dk um forward slash journal hyphen the hyphen philippines and it's a lovely really lovely book actually and um you know lots of as he said he was uh, you know going through the the forest if you like and the and the, and the um, countryside of the philippines and uh, the main question that he said in that in his notes was you know is there a place for books like this that are uh, photographic sketches doodles all of that kind of stuff and my unequivocal answer is, yeah, absolutely, especially when it's it's really, really beautiful. I mean, nobody would want to see my doodles and stuff because I can't doodle, basically. Well, I can't what, even draw a straight you, line. Yeah, but you don't have to be skilled to be a doodler. You have no, to I just think have it helps. creative... Cre- well, you do have to be... Yes, that's not true entirely. But creative outlet through doodling. And that's yeah, no, absolutely. Move absolutely. with the doodle, Kev. Yeah, with the doodle, absolutely. But I think it helps if you're if people are picking up a book to look at that, you know, it's it, it looks reasonably like... Like what true. you're trying to draw. True. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. So for example, I read out this uh, page twelve. There's a there's a sketch of a bus and and trees and the mountains and sky and all that. And I can see that you see because he's a good doodler. 
and so the, the and, and and he's uh, as he mentioned he'd also kind of typed up the notes that he'd, he'd drawn in his, in his book and so he's got that next to it on the page and it says after four hours the driver tells me to get off the bus it's a dirt lot in the countryside and the sun is going down i walked around and a local tito pointed me to the community uh, the community holds 20 some families all living in homemade shacks it has eight bamboo benches four tables and a kitchen that holds one stove and a fridge they all hang, hang out here mm. i'm looking for the volcano i said wait here a young mother replied it was pouring down so they invited me under the shelter we chatted and laughed while the young family cooked for the community throughout the night i drew pictures with a little girl joked the lola and sold drinks took selfies with the lesbian couple and learned about cockfighting from the bus driver <laughs> one experience I'll tell you what, uh, the tito the tito who yeah. was waiting by the road came running the bus is here Three hours had passed. The mother quickly gave me some homemade buns and a Sprite for the road. Uh, the Tito and the man who taught me cockfighting rushed me to the bus. Um, so that's that's there with the sketches. And then there's some, obviously, there's photos that uh, go with that. All black and white. Uh, really, really nice. He, in his notes, he said he was using a point and shoot. Yeah. Um, although he doesn't say which camera. Um, it does not matter at all. But wow. the, uh, you know, the images are really well edited beautiful kind of uh, saturation to them and actually really tell telling my story and i think you know to answer answer chris's point about the uh, the sketches and the notes it helps it really helps because actually when i read the notes and then i look at the pictures i can almost imagine him being there yeah. rather than it being some more of a voyeuristic point of view yeah. I, I can understand kind of thought processes and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's really beautiful. And the pictures are, are you know, are stunning. There's uh, a lot of kind of close-up details of, of, you know, people like cooking fish and all that kind of stuff. But then there's some very creative angles, uh, especially journey shots. Um, there's, you know, there's kind of pictures of, I'm looking at one here on page 44, of somebody who's who's sat in a in a chair in the street. And, and we just we just see the feet, really, feet and legs, but yeah. uh, with a lot of um, open space in the yeah. frame, which which is really pleasing, really nice to see. There's some wonderful landscape ones at the end. Um, and then obviously the uh, uh, the volcano stuff. And then the, the very last page has a, a lovely quote from Helen Keller. Uh, Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Ooh. No, no way in between. No. So the the, the book is called To the Mayon Volcano and, and Beyond. Beyond. And beyond. Uh, Christopher Ferreira. Yeah. So thanks for that, Chris. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, we will, of course, link to everything in the show notes. On that um, the page you're going to link to, yes, you can clearly see that he's, uh, he's an expert doodler, Kev. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and you can see the pictures there yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, and you get, yeah. get a flavour of what that, book, that book's going to be about. What? I'd love to be able to draw. Gemma's a really good artist. She is, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love to be able to draw. Really would. I tell you, this this particular project of his, this is the kind of thing that... that yeah, can you imagine having all the time in the world to think, right, I'm going to make a book, self-published book, and just to let your creativity go absolutely wild? Because it's what he's done. You know, the, the, the text next to the pictures, next to the detail, next to the vistas, next to a couple just sleeping on a, a station in front of being illuminated only by the Coke machine, next to his, his fantastic draw, 3D drawings of, of probably the place where he was staying that night. Oh, it's just lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's really, really That's beautiful. travel. That's travel story making. That yeah. really is travel, travel story making. And it opens up with like this this uh, sketched map of the yeah. routes as well. Uh, like the, it reminded me of the um, 
Oh, what's that thing with the little hairy bloke in it? Um, Mullins on tour? <laughs> <laughs> the series? Uh, Lord of the Rings, Lord Hobbit. Of, oh. that, the, book, <laughs> the book starts with a, with a, a map of Mordor, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a beautiful book. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> signing up. I'm going to get one myself. Unless I come and steal yours, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, it was sent to both of us. Was it? And he did send us a couple of prints as well, did so I'll, oh, I'll make sure that you, you, you get one of the prints. I'll right, keep the book. Right, uh, you, you keep the book. <laughs> Um, I'll swap you for a 35mm lens no he says I'll, I'll have the book uh, another question was it, was it you or, my, or me I've quite I've quite you. forgotten where we are now um, do, do, do. yes alright here we go to Kevin Neal a quick question about food oh one of our favourite subjects Kev I'm good at this yeah I'll be good at this what's the ready? question start of a one um, oh, so food at weddings I've oh. started my business in the last few years needless to say it's been an unusual start this is from Mike Elan. Uh, what do you both do when it comes to being fed by clients? Do you contract it in? Do you demand a hot meal or settle for sandwiches? Some clients seem surprised that I even ask. Regards, Mike Elan. Keep up the good work. Well, I, I have to say, I, I took food off the contract quite some time back. And I, I now say, it's up to you. And I, I kind of wait to see to see what kind of people they are, whether they'll say, you can't work all day without being fed. But, um, yeah, and uh, generally it works out quite well that, that they uh, they offer offer me a plate of food. I've stopped taking sandwiches now. Because sandwiches, I don't know about you, Kev, but if you have a great big plate of sandwiches and say, would you like some crisps? Oh, not really. And then it, and you just feel like bleh, stodged out for the, the rest of the gig, don't you, really? You can't mm. work like that. So I, I generally... Um, I, when I was really organised, I must get back to this. It was rice and chicken in a bowl, uh, what Tupperware thing. But that gets um, there's some venues I work at that won't let you eat food that's not been prepared by the venue, whether it's sandwiches or main meal, on site. So I have to actually go physically off site. I drive out of sight slightly, eat my meal, come back in again. That's petulance, isn't it? Petulance. Yeah, by the venue, if you, especially if you're you're right. working. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, uh, similar really. I don't demand um, demand food. Uh, I normally what happens is Gemma says to me in the morning, "Make sure you stop and get yourself some food." I don't want an email. I don't want a message from you at seven o'clock saying, "I haven't had anything to eat. I'm knackered." I'm, yeah, rah, 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 rah. Uh, and then usually I don't get anything. And has so she I stopped listening to those? Seven o'clock. Is, is that she stopped listening to those? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah I have to say I can't remember the last time I shot a wedding where they they didn't mm. organise a meal for me but yeah I don't insist on it it's not uh, in your contract then no and, and of course uh, I'm vegetarian so often I'll you know they'll give me the chicken dinner or something and, I, and I'll just oh. eat around the, the chicken but yeah I mean I, I just, just you know we are at the end of the day we're working there we're not um, you know we're not, we shouldn't be expecting a three course meal no. although in some cases that's what they do give you sometimes yeah. you do get the, the, the three courses that the, the guests are having which is lovely you do need to eat though because especially if it's a long day yeah you really do uh, and but more important than that is water drink lots of water yes. i have no hesitation in going up to yeah. uh to the bar or the you know the drinks reception people and saying you know have you got any water please yeah. uh, i remember once down in a, a hot you know a whole pint of uh i was really really thirsty they'd just gone in for their meal and there was this there was this big jug on the on the bar and i said to the to the guy behind the bar oh can i have a glass of this i'm really thirsty he said yeah yeah help yourself so i poured a pint of it i gulped down i got halfway down and i thought this doesn't taste quite right i said what is this he said it's gin 
<laughs> didn't notice while you were quaffing all that gin. I got halfway there. Luckily, it was early in the day. I yeah. was like, oh, my uh, God, i got to drive home in eight hours. <laughs> can you imagine that? Calling, ladies and gentlemen, side for the big group shot. I don't normally do these, but I might be fun today. <laughs> oh, Kev. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear! Uh, what do you feel though when when people just very quickly before before we we do the the back announcement bits for the show today? What do you feel though when you see the uh, when you look at the uh, 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 the the table plan and you see your name on one of the tables, Kev? Oh yeah, that's happened a few times. Yeah. What do you do, um, Kev? What do you do? Well, a couple of times I've sat there and and kind of gr- gone through it, but but mostly I will go up to the. Uh, to the you know to the to the best man or something and say look uh, you know it's really kind of them I really appreciate it but I have to back up my cameras charge batteries and stuff is much easier if I go to a side room yeah and I have to send a miserable message to my wife as well to say no not feeding me <laughs> I can't be doing that but yeah that that does sometimes happen that can that's a very awkward moment because you you'll always face what's the first question you get how many pictures do you think you'll take today yeah oh you must have taken loads today uh, yeah I know what do you yeah. say Kev what's your answer Oh, I just, I don't know. I just say, I, oh, one time I said, uh, oh, well, not that many because my cameras are broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other answer I give is four and a half gallons and then watch yeah, them try and work right. out whether that's a real thing or not. Right, that's it for this week. If you can share the episode on Twitter, please do. It makes a lot of difference to us. If you can share on social like Facebook as well. Thank you to those that have sent questions in. As we said, we, we, um, we, we need topping up particularly during the the summer well kev with his gin clearly um but uh, so send them into um food the fujicast well you can either send them in via the fujicast um uh, facebook page there there's a special post for that or send them to click at fujicast.co.uk now this is a bit unusual kev because we're recording on the friday the big do is tomorrow this goes out on monday but uh, from from well particularly from us and the family here um good luck for tomorrow congratulations in advance for what i'm sure will be a wonderful wonderful day and uh i'll do it on behalf of everybody uh, who's listening to the fuji cast as well happy happy wedding day kev <laughs> <laughs> thank you bye have a goodie bye the fuji cast is an independent loading zone production email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way